following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Today we're going to be talking about uh, faith at home again. We'll sort of resume this series that we started a few weeks ago, and we've uh, adjusted the schedule of this a couple of different times now, and I think we have it where we want it to be, um, but it, it, just for various reasons which I don't need to go into right now, it seemed like we wanted to make it a little bit longer, and uh, so we'll, you'll see if you, if you look at the bulletin, I think it'll have uh, what's going on today, and then you'll, you'll hear, uh, you can check the website for details. But today we're talking about how the relationships that we form and nurture in our homes are an important part of expressing and living out our faith in Christ. So relationships at home are specifically what I want to talk about this morning. And immediately when I say relationships at home, um, you're thinking, well, spouses and children, and maybe in some circumstances grandparents or grandchildren. Uh, and if you're a single person, you might be thinking, oh, I'm left out of this discussion, but I don't actually uh, want you to feel that way. I want you to be engaged in this discussion because what we will talk about, although it will use some family stuff as its basis, um, actually has so much to do with all of the relationships that we have in our life, and uh, particularly ones that, that have their genesis in our houses, so I want you to be thinking about, if you have roommates, what kind of relationships you have with your roommates. I want you to be thinking about your neighbors and what kind of relationships you have with your neighbors. And everything we say, uh, whether it's about family or not, I think should apply to all of the relationships you think about when you think about those that take place in your, in your home. All right? So in all things, as I've told you before, and I hope I've been crystal clear about this, uh, we want to look to Christ as our example. Um, as people who call ourselves Christians, that's pretty much where it starts and ends. Right? And, and everything we know about how to live our faith and everything we want to, to, to change in our lives uh, when we think about living our faith ought to be uh, centered on and moving toward and trying to become like Jesus. If anybody tells you to do anything in your faith as a Christian that's uh, not consistent with what Jesus taught and, and modeled, then that is, uh, I think, like on the most basic level, a terrible thing and a heresy. So uh, we look to Jesus as uh, the example for all of this stuff. And so what I want to do this morning, and, and don't be frightened when I say this, I want to look at Christ's example by examining three different texts. All right, we're going to be Surface level with these, so don't worry. It's not, um, I don't think it'll be too uh, painful. And hopefully if I've done my job right, you won't feel like you heard three sermons by the time you leave here this morning. And uh, uh, you will leave at the normal time and all those other things. But I want to look at three texts because they show us three different things that are kind of uh, linearly, uh, I think, instructive to us as we live relationships at home as, as Christian people. The first thing that we will see is a grand theological statement about who Jesus is. Right. The second text is a story that shows us who Jesus is. And the third is a specific practical instruction about how to be a Christian in your household. All right. So three movements here from three different texts. A statement a story, and an instruction. All right. I want to tell you up front that we are going to get nerdy with the language 
this morning. Uh, you're probably going to hear more Greek words today than you'll hear for the rest of the year. So if that kind of thing makes you nervous, just buckle down and um, it'll be over quickly. <laughs> um, I learned my lesson last time not to do math. Uh, by the way, the numbers did add up. I just read them wrong on those pie charts. <laughs> Um, it was supposed to be 40%, and it was one of those digital kind of zeros, and it looked like an 8, and I said 48%. And somebody asked me afterwards, actually, several, several people asked me afterwards, why did your numbers add up to 108%? Well, that's why. Anyway, so we're not going to do math this morning, but we are going to get even like deeper into uh, language and humanities, and sorry, math nerds, I will be gentle, but I, I just have to do this because it's sort of like a corrective from the last time. Um, so again, a statement, a story, and an instruction. Let's start with that statement, that big theological statement. And this is going to come from Philippians chapter 2. And if you'd like to check along in your Bibles, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, if you didn't bring one, you can use the Red Bible and go to page 954 for this text. And I'm going to read Philippians 2, verses 1 through 8. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. And here comes the big grand theological statement. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Now, uh, you may remember we used this last week at, uh, at Baber a little bit in a sermon about friendship and Christian friendship. Um, this passage of Scripture is commonly believed to be uh, an early Christian hymn, H-Y-M-N, a song, in other words. Um, and it contains this very rich, detailed theological language about who Jesus is. What's interesting is that this is, this is something that Paul was probably quoting, something that already existed before the writing of this letter, which is very early. Now, this is important for lots of reasons, um, not the least of which is that it demonstrates how developed and mature the church's Christology was, that is, what they believed about Jesus, even very early in their story. So if somebody ever says to you, well, they didn't think Jesus was God until the bishops voted on it in 325, that's nonsense. You just have to look at these texts, um, and the letters themselves are early enough, but the songs and the creeds that sometimes appear in these letters as quotations, you see them indented in the text there, those things are even earlier than the letters. So we talked last week about uh, the word empty. Um, that, the Greek word is kenosis, emptying. That's why this little passage of scripture is commonly called the kenosis hymn. I want to look today at a word that's in verse 8, the next verse after that word empty, uh, and that word is tapenoo. I don't care if you say it out loud, I'm not going to do the Mr. Rogers thing, but tapenoo is a word that means to lower, 
or to depress. And it's translated in this text and elsewhere in the New Testament as to humble. In this case, it says of Jesus that he humbled himself, he lowered himself, he depressed himself, and became obedient to the point of death. So what I want you to do is try to internalize the action of that verb. Tape no'o, to humble or to lower, to depress, right? So you don't have to say it out loud, but I want you to do this with your hands. To lower or depress, right? You don't have to do it with your hands. But you did, so it's too late. And that leads in perfectly to this, this, the story about Jesus that I want to share this morning. And this text comes from John chapter 13. So if you are still got your Red Bibles open, turn back to the left to page 876, John chapter 13, verse 12. Um, I'm going to give you the, the back story here. It's very brief. What's happening is Jesus has gathered his disciples together. It's very late in the story here of his ministry on earth. He's gathered his disciples into this upper room and... Uh, the, the other, other gospel narratives, actually this one doesn't share this part of the story, but this is where the sacrament of communion is instituted. It's called the Last Supper. He gets the disciples together in this room and, and gives them the bread and the wine and, and tells them, as often as you do this together, do it in remembrance of me, right? A lot of you are familiar with this uh, story. But in this case, in, the, in John's telling of the gospel, which is the latest one, and I think sometimes John, in telling the story, wants to hit on different parts than Matthew, Mark, and Luke did because he sort of assumes that most people have, have already heard that part of the story. And so he tells different parts of the story in some significant ways. And one of the ways is this. He tells this story about how Jesus, in the middle of dinner, gets up, takes off his robe, wraps a towel around his waist, fills a basin with water, and goes around to each disciple around the table and washes their feet. Now, um, this is not something we do nowadays. (laughs) If you have uh, 12 of your closest friends over for dinner, you do not wash their feet. That would be, well... gross. (laughs) gross. <laughs> it would be grody to the max, right? Um, <laughs> grew up in the 80s. I can't help it. Um, however grody you think it would be to do it now, it was, I promise you, worse than in the days of, you know, leather sandals and muddy roads and, and so forth. So this is what Jesus does. And we're going to start with reading in, in verse 12, which answers the question that you might have, which is, why would Jesus do this? Right? So look at John 13, 12. It says this, After he had washed their feet, had put on his robe, and had returned to the table, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should also do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I have set you an example so that you also should do as I have done to you. Servants are not greater than their masters. The Greek word for servant is doulos. If, you, if you're a, a woman and have, had, have given birth with a doula, it's from the same Greek word. And the word actually is translated alternately as servant and as the harsher word, which is slave. 
Same word for both understandings. And Jesus has essentially taken on the role of a slave in the midst of his disciples, who he says are right to call him Master and Lord. And in likening himself to a servant or a slave, he says, he has set an example for how his followers ought to act. Now that goes for the ones that were in the room that night, and it goes for all of us as well. That's how I began this whole thing this morning, by saying we need to look to Christ as an example. In this particular example, he says, I am giving you an example. It's like a meta-example. So that's the story, the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So we had a statement about who Jesus is, and a story that shows who Jesus is. And then thirdly and lastly, I want to look at another text which contains an instruction or a set of instructions for how we ought to live as Christian people in our households. There are several places in the New Testament that, that contain these types of instructions. They're very similar to one another. You find them in uh, Ephesians 5, which we'll look at in a minute if you want to turn to 9.52. Uh, you find them in Colossians. You find them in Titus. You find them in 1 Peter. And um, for the most part, they are very similar to one another in each of these tellings. So I want to look at Ephesians chapter 5. Verses 21 through 25. Again, that's page 952. I get my fingers to do this. There we go. All right. Ephesians 5.21. And I'm going to read just a few verses here. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives. Be subject to your husbands as you are to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he is the Savior. Just as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be in everything to their husbands. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, there's a comma there, not a period. It's not quite fair to stop there, but I'm going to. Um, Obviously, this passage is fraught with difficulty for our modern ears, mainly for what it has just said about wives. It sort of grates on us, most of us anyway. Uh, You should also know that the passage goes on to give specific instructions to children and to parents, to give specific instructions to slaves and to their masters. Now, I've taught on these passages before. And given you my views about how they are, um, when they are well interpreted, they are more egalitarian than they seem to be on the face of it. And I will say a few things about that this morning that might help with that as well, but it's not precisely what I want to talk about today. Um, and since I know it's not fair to, to drop that text on your lap and not really talk with, about those difficult issues, what I want you to do is, what I want to give you is a resource. Um, I think the best interpretations of these passages are coming from uh, an organization called Christians for Biblical Equality. And uh, if you go to cbeinternational.org, christiansforbiblicalequality.org, this group of people um, is, is committed to the authority of the Bible, and they are committed to an interpretation also that, that indicates uh, equality between men and women. And uh, they're, I think, doing a wonderful job. I would, 
I haven't read every article on their website, but I would endorse all of the ones that I have read on their website. So uh, if you're looking for more help with these difficult passages, that is the place I would send you to first. Okay, so the big powerful word in this passage is what? Subject, as in be subject to blank. Um, Some translations might say submit. As in submit to blank. Now, the Greek word here is hupostasso, which is re- that, that is a fun one to say. You might want to say hupostasso. Hupostasso. Which means to arrange under, to set underneath. To be subject to someone or to submit to them means to arrange yourself underneath them. Does this hand gesture ring any bells for you? Does it sound familiar at all? What was the other Greek word? Tapeneo? Something like that? Tapeneo? I don't know. It's Greek. It's all Greek to me. Sorry, that's the worst Greek joke ever. Don't ever, don't ever make that one. So you probably can guess where I'm going with this. If you can't, just hang on. What I will point out is that the first sentence of this passage, verse 21, kind of gives uh, the command to everyone, does it not? The first sentence in this passage says what? Let me read it to you so I get it exactly right. Be subject to one another out of reverence, not for the person you're being subject to, but out of reverence for whom? Christ. Christ. By the way, some sneaky editors of Bibles take that verse and they put it above the section heading that says rules for Christian households. Be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Big space, bold letters, rules for Christian households. Number one, wives submit to your husbands. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. That is a, that, the problem with that. Uh, aside from the fact that it ignores the the context, is that it ignores the fact that there's a whole sentence there, the verb for which is contained in verse 21. Verse 22, the one about the wives, just says, wives to your husband. Wives what to your husband? Oh, you mean I have to look at the sentence before that you broke into a different sentence because you're real clever? Okay, I'm going to be too biased here. Well, I want to be, actually I do, I want to be very biased about this particular thing. The topic sentence of the passage says, be subject to one another. All of you be subject to one another. Wives to your husbands. And then what does he say? Husbands, love your wives. But how do you love your wives? As Christ what? Loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Well, he submitted. He humbled himself. He lowered himself. He placed himself underneath. He hypostasis. And not only did he submit and obey, but he obeyed to the point of death on a cross. That's what Philippians tells us. So even if you want to go with the, the mindset that would lead a translator or an editor to put verse 21 separate from, a, from the section that begins with verse 22, you still have to deal with what the verse actually says, which is that husbands are to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. 
you should also know, and I didn't read this part, that the passage, and it's the same in all the other ones too, goes on to give instructions not only to children, but to parents. Not only to slaves, but to masters. And in every case, you can look at it and say, this is essentially Paul saying, be subject to one another. The slaves one is really amazing, actually. Slaves, obey your earthly masters. Ellipsis, details about how. Masters, do the same to them. Huh? That will upset the entire social order upon which the Greco-Roman culture is based. Uh Uh-huh. This is what Christianity did. (laughs) So when you look at these household instructions, this third text, in light of the statement from the first text and the story from the second text, the message is clear. Philippians 2, Jesus lowered himself. John 13, Jesus took on the role of a slave. Ephesians 5 and 6, we ought to follow the example of Christ in being subject to one another. So what does this say to us? Well, um, I think it's fairly clear, although what I've just um, said in my interpretation that I've just given might have made this passage less clear than you, than you felt it was. It might have been more clear to you coming in. Um, so I might have upset your apple cart a little bit on that. But I do think the teaching is fairly clear uh, when it comes to family relationships, husbands and wives. We ought to submit to one another. It's uh, called mutual submission. That's the phrase that, that we like to use. But if you don't have a spouse, a husband or a wife to love or to submit to, however you want to articulate the same teaching, you can think about other, f- other family-like relationships. You can think about your, your parents or your sisters and brothers, or your cousins, especially if they live with you. We all know living with family can be like, um, I hope my mom doesn't listen to this podcast, but sometimes when I go away to visit with family, you know how it is, right? It's just like the trip, just a little too long. Ready to go home, you know. Love you, mom. <laughs> if, you, if you don't have any family who live with you, you might have a roommate. Um, I know for a fact that some of you have have lived with roommates very recently. I've heard the stories of what's that, what that's like, and I never want to go back to that place. If you live alone in your apartment or your house, surely you have a neighbor. What would it look like to submit to the other in each one of these relationships? That's a, that's a, a thought experiment we can all engage in together. In fact, maybe let's do that. Uh, Roommates. If you're a roommate or you recently had one, what's one way you could submit to your roommate? (laughs) 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 Unanimous response was do the dishes. (laughs) Oh, but it's not my turn. The chart is right here on the refrigerator. It's clearly Adam's turn to do the dishes. 
And as the sin of not doing the dishes entered the world through Adam, (laughs) yeah, I don't care whose turn it is. You are a Christian. Submit and do the dishes. By the way, husbands, it goes for you too. Submit and do the dishes. There, I gave you the answer for that one. Actually, husbands, why don't you submit and clean the toilet? How would that be? <clears throat> Wives, on the way home, you are going to ask your husband, so, which day this week will you be submitting and cleaning the toilet? <laughs> I, I, sorry, I have to leave for Chicago at 7 in the morning tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be really busy packing for the rest of the day. No, you know what? I am going to clean the toilet before I leave for Chicago. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. What about neighbors? How can we submit to our neighbors as, as Christ loved the church? How do we love our neighbors by submitting to them? Share a meal? Hmm. <laughs> Hypothetically speaking, your neighbor, if, if ever your neighbor were to walk this dog's five feet in front of your windows and make your dogs go ballistic, you could just be okay with that. You're going to submit. Oh, look what he's doing now on my lawn. I'm going to submit. Yeah. I didn't say it was fun or easy. I said it was the model that Christ gave us. Now, with all of that, maybe it's now safe to say, wives, what's a way that you could submit to your husbands? Doing the dishes. Doing the... <laughs> 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 all the dudes went, do the dishes. <clears throat> this, is, this is what is so important to know, and it's what makes this kind of thing very difficult, because it's different for everybody isn't it? Your relationship with your roommate might be nothing. You, might, you guys might have the dishes figured out. No problem. It's not as simple as just hearing somebody say, well, you should do the dishes. Oh, I'll do the dishes. Submit. I win. It's not that simple. It requires a reorientation of every moment of your life. It's not, simple. It's not as simple as just saying, um, you know, I'm going to pick your thing that you may have been taught growing up about how you should, how you should submit if you're a woman to a man. It's not as simple as saying, well, I'm, you know, I'm the one that's supposed to be submitted to. Listen, let's assume for a second that I agree with your interpretation of scriptures about, about that, if you're a person who thinks that women should submit and men don't have to submit. Let's assume for a minute that I agree with that premise. Um, and I'm trying not to be uncharitable to it, even though I, do, I don't quite agree. Um, but let's assume for a minute that I do. I'm the one that has to be submitted to. I'm the man. That's the way Paul said it. That's the way it's going to be in my house. And, but, 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 but Jesus is my answer to that. Jesus was the one who was supposed to be submitted to. He said, you're right to call me master and Lord. Give me your dirty, grubby feet and let me wash them. That's the model of, of Christ for how we ought to live our relationships in our houses. 
So that's the first difficulty is that it's different for everybody. You have, this is applied theology. You have to work at it and figure out what it looks like for you. You, if, if you're a married couple, you and your spouse might not have an issue with the laundry or the dishes. It might have to do with the car. It might have to do with any number of things. You have to think about it and figure it out. <laughs> I had another reason why it was difficult and, and the, 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 the French giraffe squeaker <laughs> totally threw me off um, <clears throat> well I don't know we have a minute or two what do you think yes Ah, why not just talk to them and say, what do you need me to do? Yeah. I read something. Uh, you, who says you can't learn anything from Twitter? <laughs> I read a Twitter post once that, that articulated what you just told me. So you are caught in a tautology or something. I don't know. Um, it said, don't ask, do you need help? Ask the question, how can I help? Husbands, that might be particularly important for you as you're, you know, playing Angry Birds or something and your wife is, like, doing a lot of work. You can say, do you need any help? Come on. What you need to do is say, how can I help you? Do I do a decent job of that sometimes? <clears throat> yes. Um, you said Yeah, well, here's the thing. Uh, oh, man. <clears throat> Tim's asking, how did, how did this uh, kind of upturning of the social order affect the Greco-Roman culture? What did it look like? And it wasn't just the slaves and masters. It was the men and women and the children and parents, too. These household codes, codes were... Um, these are a rewriting of the ones that were written by Greek authorities and philosophers and things. So you, have to, you can't just take these in a vacuum and say, well, Paul kind of says, wives, submit to your husbands. You have to look at what the what the household cold was in that time and see how Paul's is different. And the direction it goes gives you a trajectory for how this is going to change. If you want to read a, a book that teaches on this really well, read Rodney Stark's book called, I think it's called The Rise of Christianity. Um, the author's definitely Rodney Stark. He wrote about this. I believe he is not a Christian scholar, but he's just examining how Christianity uh, changed the culture uh, of the Greco-Roman world. And um, really quite amazing the ways in which it did. So, so what Paul is doing, I think here, and I'll try to be brief about this, is he is acknowledging the culture that he is a part of. He can't like 100% turn over the apple cart in this case because that would be anarchy. The, 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 the societal structure, the fabric of it was woven in such a way that kind of held things together. So Paul's saying, we're not going to rip this apart. All we're going to do is, is add in this this reciprocating component, right? So yes, wives, continue to submit to your husbands as you've been taught and forced to do for, for generations in our culture. But husbands, your response must be to love your wives and, and not just love them the way you want to, but love them the way Christ loved the church, which is to the point of utter surrender and humiliating death, right? That's a very countercultural thing for Paul to say, um, the same thing, and I mean, we don't have time to read the thing about children and, and slaves, 
Um, and you can there's a there's another epistle, Philemon, which is written to an escaped slave, and there's this whole thing about he's like sending him, telling him to go back, but he's uh, it's just it's crazy if you think about the slave master relationship. They had they had both converted to Christianity, and you read that epistle in that in the light of that, and it's amazing the instructions he gives to them both, the slave and the master. So, um, yes. Yeah. 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 So sometimes it's an act of submission to accept help. That's a yeah. Yeah. Certainly, would be easier for me to pick up uh, the Lego pieces than to ask Teddy to do it. He's almost three, but there's all sorts of reasons why we we let him and actually insist on him helping. Um, yeah, Mark, I think it is going to be the last one, then we probably should wrap this up here. And thank you. That, that actually brings me right back to the thing that I forgot a second ago, and I'll just say it as we close. You, you're saying that it's important to be honest with each other about what we actually need, and, and submission doesn't quite work if you don't have that level of honesty um, because it can become, um, uh, I was going to say abuse, but I don't, it ultimately could become abuse the way we might understand the word abuse. I mean like abusing the, the privilege of, of having somebody submit to you. <clears throat> This is, the, this is the other thing that makes it challenging. In addition to the fact that it's going to look different for every person in the room, if you're going to submit mutually, then it's sort of like you, it's, it's a little bit more difficult to steer the ship, right? And, and that's, I think, it gets to what we were talking about with you, Tim. Uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's simpler if somebody is always in charge and it's always the same person, right? I get that. That's it's sort of attractive in some ways to have somebody be the boss all the time. It's not, it's not mutual submission, which I think is, is what the Bible teaches, certainly what Jesus models. So, well, um, I hope that didn't feel like three sermons. <laughs> the theological statement about Jesus a story that shows us who Jesus was and what he was like. Um, and then the instructions from the Apostle Paul about how to live, uh, how to live out our relationships in our home as, as people who follow Jesus. Uh, take those with you. I really want this series to be practical, and this is one of the reasons why we had to extend it, because I feel like the practicality side of it has 
been wanting to a certain extent during this during this teachings that I've been doing. So uh, I hope that you will talk about this with the people that you live with um, this week and think about, like, you, you just have to sort of, like you said, it starts with honesty. You have to think through and talk through and be clear with each other about what you're going to do. So wives, yes, you should ask your husbands when they're going to clean the toilet this week. And, and uh, husbands, you might have something to say back to your wives. It's, it's not... Um, an abuse of the spirit of egalitarianism to, to expect that that mission is mutual. It's only abuse of it if you think it's not mutual. All right. Okay. I'm feeling a little soapboxy, so I just want to stop talking now. Um, let's, let's pray together. God, we are grateful for the words of Scripture, even the ones that are challenging to our ears, and we pray and hope that, that we are interpreting these and applying them honestly, that we're, we're not allowing our personal biases to get in the way of our, our submission to the words of Scripture and to what, what you taught us, Jesus. We pray now that in all the relationships that exist in our homes, whether they're spousal relationships or parent-child relationships or um, roommate relationships or neighbor relationships, anything in between or on the sides of those, that we would practice mutual submission, that we would be lowered down. We would place ourselves underneath. We would take the form of a slave. We would submit and offer ourselves to each other fully and completely. I believe, Lord, that if we did that, the world would actually change. So give us the courage and the strength and the conviction that we need to do it. Amen. Well, that same night... Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He instituted this wonderful sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And uh, this is open to all of you now to partake of, to partake in. Um, If you're following Jesus, regardless of of whether you think you're an expert at it, regardless of whether you're a member here or in our family of churches or anywhere else, if you are following Jesus in this place, this sacrament is for you and you can come and receive the bread, um, remembering Christ's body broken for you. Dip it in the wine or the juice, remembering his shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. Do it as an act of unity with each other, remembering his submission to death, even death on a cross. And may that be an example for us all. Uh, The uh, prayer team will be here. If you'd like personalized prayer during this time, you can go and receive that. We're going to sing a couple of more songs together in worship. If you have kids who are down the other end, please go and get them, and they can participate in communion if you wish, and they certainly can participate in these songs that we sing. Um, Our table is open now. Let's continue to worship God together. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.